Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 30, Ray of Hope. Mary, what happened this week? Susan leaves for a newspaper convention in Washington and gives Brandon 700 goodbye kisses. He spends his time without her watching so much television with a still mostly unable to speak Steve, but then Valerie asks for his help. The bail bondsman, Mr. Carr, shows up to the pee pad to explain they have a very limited time to find Colin, or she's going to lose her business, which means Nat might lose his business. Brandon uses this info to convince Kelly to help Val find Colin. They manage to get some information out of Danny Five, a pager number, and Kelly convinces Colin to tell her where he is. Bonus points, because he's on speakerphone, Val gets to hear Colin use the same lines on Kelly he used on her about all that love and need he has for her. Even more of a bummer for Val, when they send the cops to the Palm Court Motel where Colin is hiding, they only find Danny Five, who makes sure to be extra unhelpful. I have many questions when we get to the the motel. Like, I have, many questions. I have many questions about this episode entirely. I just don't think that Colin's some, like, criminal mastermind. So when we get to that point, I have lots of questions. Ugh. I mean, I guess we have to start at the beginning then, right? Yeah, because, yeah, we see Susan for approximately 30 seconds, and she's going to the airport. And she's going to a newspaper convention in Washington, D.C. It is cute how they say goodbye, just because you can actually see a lot of love there. But I'm mad she's not in this episode. (laughs) I get the feeling she's going to this convention. She's going to get a job offer. And then she's going to come back and be like, you know how I said don't take that Boston job? I took a Washington, D.C. job. Yeah. Well, and she's from New York, right? So... It, like, because remember, she and Colin both. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Because remember, yeah, cause her she family's and Colin from over the holidays. Both went to New York. I thought. Oh, she was going to see like her grandma or something, right? Oh, maybe that's what it was. Because her, yeah, parents her parents are in California, are... right? Anyway, she went to New York. Over... Never mind. No connection here. <laughs> But again, this is why they should have been like, yeah, you take the Boston job. I'll also get a job. We'll have family up in that area. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah. It just, I think, so we see, like, you know, spoiler alert for this episode, we do see one domino fall. We still have two other dominoes at minimum because we have Susan and we have Colin, right? It seems pretty clear what how we're going to lose Colin, but it still remains to be unclear about Susan, except for the fact that now she's out of town. But I just feel like that would be doing her so dirty to just do the old, you can't do your job, but I have to do mine because I've got dreams or, or whatever excuse they end up giving her. Because it feels like a cop out. I feel like that's what they're doing with everyone, though. Like, you know, it was a little less surprising with Joe because I feel like they're setting it up. I feel like everyone's a little bit of a slow burn, but I can kind of predict Mm -hmm. how they're breaking up every single couple, and I will be shocked if we're not right. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Because then, you know, after Susan leaves, Brandon sits on the couch with Steve for this, like, long Aaron Spelling TV marathon. (laughs) Yeah. And you can see, like – 
Claire is just getting so annoyed with them. Yeah, she is very, very annoyed. She doesn't, either she's annoyed because she doesn't like the fact that they're just sitting around and watching TV all day, or she's annoyed because she's not getting attention. Regardless, she's annoyed by Steve and by Brandon, but mostly Steve. I also found it hilarious that she goes, is it just me or is there something unseemly about 20-year-olds being nostalgic? And it's just like, oh, girl, you don't even know. I know. Literally this podcast. Right? (laughs) But also, like, I wrote down, this is similar to, like, us reminiscing about, like, Boy Meets World or Mm -hmm. something when we were in college because that show went to, like, I think it was, like, 90 – feels like 90 – six or five to like 2003 or something like that Mm. um so yeah we would have definitely been reminiscing over something that happened just a few years ago when we were in college yeah at least like what was it vegas and the love boat are from like the early 80s so it's like first of all they were children when these shows aired there is Mm. no way they actually watched them unless they were on syndication right which we know fair what we know about television is that the first show to really be appointment television was Dallas, right? And gosh, Which I think it was now, also Aaron Spelling, maybe. Ooh, maybe. Um, but it definitely was, I believe it was in the 80s. Oh, it was 70. Okay, so it started in 78 and went to, it went 14 seasons. That's why, were they 30 episode seasons? <laughs> God, I don't know. Um, it's just 500 episodes long. Right. Okay, so apparently season one was only five episodes. Season two was 24. Okay, so maybe it was like a like mid-season. You know, TV was yeah. way different when Dallas started. Then 25. Then 23. So it followed like the similar format that has been the case for years and years. But that was the show that really launched this whole like scripted drama. You're going to sit down and, and at 8 o'clock, you know, Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, and you're going to be tuned in. And they did cliffhangers and all that stuff. So, yeah, I do wonder at what point did broadcast television and cable, for that matter, when it came on board, was like, we need to put this on when it's not on the air, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we need more followers. This is a way to get more people involved. So maybe that's how – I mean, we would assume that's how they would have watched Vegas, right? Or mm-hmm. The Love Boat because it was so – yeah, so early. So we got a little bit away from Brandon because he's watching TV all day. We see Kelly at the Peach Pit, and she's studying because, as you guys recall, she's going to summer school to make up for all the time that she missed in rehab and just kind of like she wasn't able to catch up. But Val comes in to talk to Nat because the bail bondsman, good old friendly neighborhood bail bondsman, is waiting for Val and Nat um, to talk to him. Kelly is always snipey at Val. Like, I think literally, like, um, Val calls him a snake and Kelly's like oh well then you should fit right in or something like that which yeah, is like, dude, uncalled for <laughs> that's the thing is like Kelly this like Val and Colin thing has driven Kelly over the edge and she has mm-hmm. gone straight to being like a rotten bitch like mm-hmm. she is willing to let Val be fully destitute and like ruined for life yeah because she hates her so much and then even is just like I'm only doing this for Nat because right. we find out in this scene that Nat's equity, like, because he was involved in getting the PE pad started, like, back in the day when Dylan and Steve were involved, mm-hmm. his equity is in the club. And that's what Val put up 
as Colin's bond and therefore Nat could lose everything. And right. I got to say, when she's just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's fine. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> he like brushes her off, which like we understand Nat to be a, a extremely um, almost like fatherly or, or, you know, some sort of familial to the group. Um, but I mean, when he was almost like when he was having to sell the peach pit or considering selling it, it's like he didn't really care what the others thought. Like it took Brandon a lot of convincing and then him having a heart attack to even consider keeping it right. Like it's the way he just like hand waves it. Like, don't worry, we'll figure it out is just baffling to me, especially for Val because he's not known her near as long as like, if this was Brandon would have believed it hundred mm-hmm. percent. But the fact that it's Val, I, yeah, it was just a little right. like, whoa, that's a little flippant there, Nat. They must have, like, an amazing business relationship. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe the Peapod is just, like, raking in cash or something, you know? Like, maybe it is doing really, really well, so he's like, we'll figure it out, you know, because they have to. Yeah, well, because he brings up hiring, like, a bounty hunter or something mm-hmm. to go find Colin, and the bail bondsman's like, well, that's great, but he's going to want 25%, and I'm not giving up my share of this for that. Yeah. So literally I, that would be an extra $25,000. I, I got to be honest, 25 is better than 100. So True. I True. like if you're going to have to live in debt, that's what I would do. And maybe like, you know, hold off a couple of days because it seems like they think they can handle it on their own. But I swear to God, they like pan over to Val and I was like, just call Jonesy. Like, yeah, I know yeah. you have a bad relationship with him, but you can at least like work something out. Yeah, and I think he would probably owe her a favor this time around because of what happened last time with her getting in jail and all the gross things that he made her do, right? So it almost feels like this is time to call in a favor. Yeah, well, and just keep it going. Have Jonesy come back once a season for a caper. I'm not against it. I'm not mad about that. I love Jonesy. As much as I hate him, I love him. (laughs) That's the thing. He's a piece of trash, but he's real fun to watch on TV. Totally. Totally. And what's funny is they say all of this stuff and we find out that Colin is still in LA. He's not very far. He's just chilling locally at some bar, which how like I, we assume Colin's older than the rest of the gang. So that's like how he got in. But mm-hmm. he's with Danny Five. And I love the da- people. I love that Danny Five is like, oh, yeah, you ran and my charges got dropped. I'm good oh to my go. God. Right. Like, literally all Colin had to do was not run. I mean, granted, he did have cocaine on him, but Danny says that they got off because it was an illegal search or something. Like, apparently they didn't have a warrant or something like that, I guess. Which I'm like, but if it's a drug bust, like, can't, like, you, it feels like you don't need a warrant. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I have watched approximately one season of The Wire, and from what I understand, (laughs) they'll make it happen. Right. And so, yeah, so literally, which is what we've learned and what we've always thought, but definitely what we've learned in the last few episodes is that the issue is not the cocaine. It's not even the possession of cocaine. It's the fact that Colin ran and the fact, like, what's funny is Danny also calls it his little OJ spell or something like that. And I'm like, yep. Okay, cool, cool, cool. They just said it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we've all known and they were finally just like, in case we weren't clear. Yeah. This is what this is. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. And so now Colin's like, well, you know, since I've been doing this whole legal thing for so long now, I'm basically a pro. So next stop, the border. 
I I do love that they pointed out because I was sitting here like, why is he still in town? And he's like, I can't leave. I don't have money and I don't have a fake ID. I was like, right. Okay, fine. Okay. So he gives Danny this like little wad of cash, presumably like everything he has on him. And Danny gives him a beeper. And I really thought he was like, oh, yeah, you know, one of my dealers, you know, is gone. Here's this. I really thought he was like, you can have a job and earn your money. Oh, I thought the same thing. I was like, you do a few runs for me. I'll get you the papers or, you know, whatever he needed. Mm-hmm. Which would have been an amazing spinoff of like Colin <laughs> is now an unwitting like drug mule across the border for the cocaine. He's just the art dealer. He's like the he's like in every like Oceans movie or something. He's just like the fixer or something like he has to have a fun nickname with art. I feel like <laughs> like. I mean, I'm not necessarily advocating for Colin to have his own spinoff necessarily because no. I don't care for Colin, but that could be a really fun show. I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Colin has the right attitude about it, so. <laughs> Piss off everyone. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, maybe like once every season, he just goes on a little bender, almost ruins everything, and then just mm-hmm. magically gets clean as Colin does. And Exactly. You've got a procedure. Maybe then he, like, because he's an artist, he gets into, like, um, what is it, white-collar crime? Is that what it oh, is? Oh, yeah, and he becomes, like, a forger. Yes. And then it becomes white-collar, which I I don't know if you guys watched that show with Matt Bomer, but I loved it. It was so good. Tiffany Thiessen was in white-collar, so. <laughs> oh, my God. He could have totally showed up on white-collar, and it would have been a thing. <laughs> oh, my God. It would have been awesome. Hey, remember that? five years ago or however long it's just the same plot but (laughs) see and I'm at the part in Riverdale where uh Cheryl starts forging paintings oh yeah so that's where my brain is barely into that part but yes so yeah if Cheryl can do it Colin can well I shouldn't say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that doesn't mean anything no Oh, man. But anyway, so like he's I guess he's got the beeper. He's going to Colin's going to wait around until Danny can get him what he needs. Meanwhile, back at the Walsh house, now the annoyance has spread from Claire to Val. She like walks downstairs when they're playing the love boat. Brandon does his cute little jig um, with the (laughs) love boat. And Val's like, can you guys just stop? Like, I don't even remember what she says, but she's just like, oh, this is so annoying. And then just walks off. And Brandon, of course, being the pseudo sibling to her that he is. Walks into the kitchen and they start chatting, kind of just like, you know, clearly Val's annoyed, but she has really only been able to go to Brandon about this stuff because, let's face it, he's the only one that she's really that close to. Mm -hmm. Um, So she starts telling him, like, she's like, why did I let Colin do this to me? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, she thinks that he went to Danny Five, which she's right. Um, But she says to Brandon that she thinks Kelly knows where he is, which based on their last conversation at the beach apartment, true, or at least seems true. Right. Yeah. I mean, Val is correct in basically Mm -hmm. all of this, that like he went to Danny five and Kelly, you know, Kelly doesn't know exactly where he is, but Kelly can figure out where he is a lot easier than Val or Brandon can. And I love, she asks, Brandon to talk to Kelly and he's like yeah of course I'm gonna do that to help you but you have to come with me because y'all can't do this anymore right I I kind of love that he's like this is ridiculous 
yes, I will help you, but you are going to be alongside me as I do it because this is dumb. Which is also hilarious because this is what Val has been doing all season of like everyone just needs to get over all the shit that's already happened and go yeah. back to just like hanging out. And no yeah. one will do it. But now I swear that since Brandon said it, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. He is kind of the patriarch of the group. <laughs> he really is like friend dad. Yeah. He just um, fixes things. But yeah. And so they go to the condor's nest. Um immediately like kelly is disarmed by brandon but then sees val and is like absolutely not and so this is the part of the episode or at least the dynamic of the episode that i actually kind of liked which was the brandon val and kelly of it all because they had some like quippiness between them that was pretty natural i guess and and so like brandon or i'm sorry um Val just goes, see, Brandon, she doesn't care about anyone but herself. And as Brandon is trying to be like, wait, 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 or something like that, Kelly says, well, I certainly don't care about you, Valerie. And it seemed almost like maybe it was on the page. Maybe it wasn't on the page for her to react because it was interrupty. It felt like, you know, parenthoody or something like that where they just could talk over each other, um, which I love. But yeah, then Brandon pulls a nat card, like you said earlier, and gets Kelly to help. Yeah, I like that's the thing. Kelly is being such a bitch in this scene, and I can't tell if it's just because they are such amazing actors, or yeah. like the script was written so well, or you know all of it put together. Which, frankly, I'm not saying that this script is put together well. So I'm gonna go with they improved it. I also wonder too, like, do Jenny and Tiffany not like each other? I don't know. I mean. You know, we've heard the rumors that, like, the main, the original girls on the show were not nice mm-hmm. when other people showed up. Um, who was it that said, like, they weren't allowed to make eye contact? Oh. Do you remember this? I don't. We haven't seen her yet on the show, and I cannot remember who the actress is, but, like, you know, I Google 90210 enough that they pop up in my Google News all the time. But it was, like, someone very famous was on, you know, maybe season seven or eight and was like, yeah, I was told not to make eye contact with these girls. And like Jenny has said, like, that's not what that was. Or like, if you thought that, I'm sorry, but like, I kind of believe it when you see on the page, like how all of these other women come in and out of the show. Yeah. I mean, I wonder. Did you find her? Mary? Jessica Alba. That's who it was. Jessica Alba. <laughs> yeah, maybe like it was like a year or two ago. She was just like, my experience on 90210 was terrible. So yeah, no and then this article is just like Jenny's like, that's not true. Yeah. So not trying to necessarily defend Jenny, although I do love her. So something similar has happened to me before, and I'll explain. So at my old job, two bosses ago – it for the longest time it was like me him and this other person and we worked together as a group for I don't know at least a year or so then we were told we could hire somebody else and so we did but during onboarding for this new hire I was allowed to talk to her but my boss told my other coworker not to talk to her until she was done being onboarded yeah I didn't know this. Lauren didn't know this. 
Shelby was the new hire. She was told not to interact with her. I, it was the weirdest thing, but it was one of those things where it's like, he told some, not all. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, I wonder if like Aaron Spelling or Darren Starr or somebody was like, hey, someone on the set. Alba, they're not going to talk to you or you can't make eye contact with them. Not mm-hmm. necessarily Jenny. Um, shoot, Donna, um, Tori, like whoever. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's not true. No, I mean, but who knows? <laughs> we've heard stories like that all the time. Like I was listening to the Parks and Rec podcast and I think it was Ben Schwartz was like, yeah, I wanted to audition for a role and my agent passed on it for me. And uh, they were just like, Rob Lowe was like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. Like agents will say that you passed when they're the ones that passed and you never even got to see it. So like. That's so strange. It's this weird like. I don't know if it's current Hollywood or old Hollywood or what, but it's like actors don't get to have full autonomy over themselves. So it could be anything. Like, I don't doubt that Jessica Alba actually didn't feel welcome on this set, but who knows who did it. Right. Exactly. Like not denying her experiences at all, but also not denying that it could be somebody else's experience that it wasn't that right like I can Mm -hmm. I can see both sides but also like speaking of agents like in baseball right now the former first baseman for the Braves Freddie Freeman his agent is suing um, a news a journalist for saying that he didn't show Freddie the deal the Braves gave him before it was turned down to go to Dodgers so there's like all these little rumors out there that like Freddie didn't see all the offers let up. That's why he chose the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And then apparently, like, he wanted to stay in Atlanta, but his agent just conveniently didn't show him the Atlanta offer. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this weird thing where, like, we love these people, and then there's all this stuff in the background Oh yeah, that claims this, or there's, like, blatant lies told about them in, you know, the media. Like, I don't know. It's so weird, but all that to say, like, yeah, Kelly and Val on screen mm-hmm. hate each other so well. Yes, it's it's well done. And that's why I really like this dynamic because also Brandon was like supposed to kind of be a mediator, but he like, he was concerned for the situation. He like almost couldn't babysit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do end up like agreeing to work together and coming up with a plan that Kelly is going to go to Danny Fives alone, you know, very unsettled. Yeah. Putting her back into a house with a Coke dealer and a man that tried to assault her. Yes. And thankfully, when she gets there, she, you know, she knocks on the door, Danny opens it and immediately she's like, is your roommate here? Yep. Like, I don't want to come in if he's here. And I appreciate that. Like, if she's going to have to be forced to go into a place where bad things happened and this was her breaking point, um, yeah, like, do some, do the small amount of due diligence that you can to continue to be in a safer environment. It's not necessarily safe, but safer than bad, right? Mm-hmm. And even Brandon was like, if she's not out in five minutes, I'm coming in, which also important, too. Like, she has backup for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um and so she goes in, she essentially, like, her whole plan here is to ask Danny where Colin is, if if he knows where he is. She says she still loves him. Obviously, it's a charade. Um, 
And he basically confirms, like, he doesn't specifically know where he is, but he's in L.A. Here's a beeper number. This will Mm -hmm. help you get in contact with him. And then she buys a gram to keep it up. And he does pour some out. And he's like, hey, let's try this together. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, no, I have somewhere to be. I have to go see my mom. And he's like, well, that's all the more reason to try it now. And I can, like, the whole time that this scene was going, I was like, this man is not this stupid. Like, it yeah. would just be too convenient that this just worked out. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that makes me wonder, like, clearly he gave her the right beeper number, right? Mm-hmm. Because she gets – she does eventually get in contact with Colin. But, yeah, it's almost too perfect as that she was able to go in after she hasn't been back there in probably months and mm-hmm. is just casually like, nope, I'll just buy some K-Buy. Thanks for the information. Yeah. And – I do love – she goes out and Brandon and Val have gotten out of the car because it's been like the five minutes and Brandon's like, I can't leave her in there anymore. I have to go. Yeah. And she tells them, you know, what happened. But then Brandon immediately says like, did you buy anything? Give it to me. And she – at first she's like, don't worry about it. Like she tries to brush it off. So it was good on Brandon to like demand it, you know. Mm -hmm. And luckily, conveniently, there's a trash can right there. And we get to see the whole thing poured down the trash and like opened, poured out the vials gone too. Mm-hmm. Wild. Absolutely wild. I do appreciate <laughs> all of it. And because as soon as she was like, I'll take care of it, I was worried that like they were just going to have it in the background. Right. Because right. like we haven't seen, you know, David have a relapse. I don't know that we'll see Kelly have a relapse or not. But like that was the thing that they did with Dylan pretty frequently is like mm-hmm. when bad things happened, he would relapse and it would yep. be bad. And then like other people would have to do something for him. So like, yeah, it would not surprise me if the show just like had a vial of Coke around, mm-hmm. but she tosses it, they get in the car and she pages Colin three times apparently from her car phone and he's still not picking up, which again tells me, the, like, you know, we find out for sure later, but the Danny Five has already talked to him and is like, hey, look, I think you're getting set up. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's something that I think probably Kelly, Val, Brandon, they didn't assume that Danny or Colin would pick up on it because mm-hmm. I imagine they're thinking of it like, well, Colin's probably desperate, right? Like, or he's weak in some way. Um, And Kelly is the answer here, which even Val, like, hates it, but she is smart enough to admit, yeah, like, I stole Colin from Kelly when he was still in love with her. Mm -hmm. He didn't just stop being in love with her. He took money from me. He took time. And he took what he wanted from me. So now I need to, like, go back to the source, right? Yeah, because... I mean, you know, we can never know if the same situation would have happened while he was with Kelly. Mm-hmm. But, like, you, I feel like you can tell that it goes through Val's mind of, like, if Kelly put up $100,000 and all this kind of stuff, he wouldn't run out and leave her to have to oh, deal with sure. it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I bet mean, that goes through her mind. Totally. I mean, you even almost hear some of the differences in dynamic when the, when Val and Kelly are arguing over what they're going to do when they find him, right? Like Kelly thinks Val's just going to rush in and try to like fix the situation. And Brandon's like basically trying to like mediate and be like, hey, 
look, we're going to set up a meeting, call the cops, let them do their job, which is the right move. That's definitely mm-hmm. what you should do. And so while they're talking and arguing about that, Colin finally calls Kelly back and he agrees to meet, but not tonight. Also convenient, right? Like we know it's pretty late because I think that the three of them say like, we should just go home. It's late. But mm-hmm. so anyway, like they, he says like, let's meet, not tonight. Then he, yeah, to use Mary's words, like basically tells Kelly in front of Val, which he doesn't know that, or at least we don't think he knows that, but that he loves her and he needs her now more than ever, which I I think that's verbatim what he's told I think so, yeah. Oh my gosh, and their faces Mm -hmm. when all of this goes down, because you can see when he says that, like Val turns her head to the window and then after they get off the phone kelly just has that smug face and like turns to look back at val in the backseat oh man this would suck <laughs> i like i'm sorry i just want to slap kelly right now like that stupid smug smile on her face mm-hmm. drives me nuts well and it's it's kind of like it reminds me of which we know she's not an only child but for a very long time she was like until she was like what 18 17, 16, something like that. Yeah, I think it was 17 when their parents got married. So she got like a step sibling at that point. And then maybe yeah. like six months later, she got a half sibling. Exactly. So that was a very like, Haha, I got my way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like this is mine. I'm not sharing or anything like that. You know, like that was kind of that smug look that I, I, I got from her was very like, I'm an only child. I get what I want. <laughs> Yeah, no, Kelly is very, like, she doesn't like being on a pedestal, but she also likes getting her way and getting to, like, rub it in the face of people she doesn't like. For sure. For sure. And so we move on to the next day, and Colin calls Kelly at the beach apartment. Um, mm-hmm. And he is, he's definitely, like, hyped up, right? Like, he's very, I don't know, restless, I guess is the right word. And he tells Kelly that he's at the Palm Court Motel um, and, like, wants her to come right now. So looking back on it, like, in, in when it happened, I didn't think about this. But now in hindsight, I'm like, he wants her to come right now because that doesn't give her any time to get Brandon, doesn't give her any time to get Val, doesn't get any time to get the cops. Like, nothing fishy can go on if she comes right now. Um But she's like, oh, I have some things to do and I'll get there as soon as I can. Also, you know, presumably this is not just right around the corner, right? He wouldn't be so dumb as to like stay at a hotel right there in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he says he's in Reseda, which the only thing I know about Reseda is that that's where the Karate Kid lives. Ah, yes. Um, So it is presumably, you know, farther inland from the beach. But the fact that Kelly says, like, yeah, I have a doctor's appointment. I can't come right away. Like, if Colin wasn't already in on this, he would be tipped off at this point. Because presumably, she went to Danny Fives sober to go get his number to, like, save him. And then is like, oh, well, I have a doctor's appointment. Like, girl, unless you have a tumor, this boy is suspicious. Mm-hmm. Well, and she could have said, like, it would have been more believable if she said she had a test or mm-hmm. – a class or something like that because she's in summer school. It's extremely believable to Colin, whether he knows it or not, that she would be in summer school. I don't also, get at all why she made an excuse. Like, does it really matter, Kelly? Just 
just be like, I'll be right there and then call 911. Yeah. That's the thing. Presumably, she has a car phone. She could have like called Brandon, been like, hey, he told me he's here. I'm going to leave right now. I need you to call the police or the bail bondsman or whoever and tip them off. Call me from my car phone if you need me. I have to go and I'll like stall and keep him there. Yeah. Then, or she could just get stuck in traffic. Or, yeah, like anything. <laughs> she has a car phone. Just call him again. Mm-hmm. But because it takes so long, you know, we don't know when Colin and Danny Five got suspicious, but they, Brandon, Val, and Kelly are pulled up outside of this motel in Reseda and like Kelly says she feels like a snitch or something yeah she's feeling a little guilty I think because she lied to him but I'm like "Mm." yeah this is not something to feel guilty about misplaced guilt yeah but we find out that yeah they've been tipped off and Colin is gone Danny Five was in the room he's being arrested we find out his real name is Danny Fivinsky (laughs) and then he tells the cops that he has never seen kelly before in his life he has no idea who she is he's always been in that room he doesn't know what's up well and and i meant to go back and look at this but when kelly and colin are talking when he is at a motel Mm -hmm. they do a shot with him in the window and then they pan out and over a little bit to show the door open Mm -hmm. and showing him like holding the phone and you can see the number on the door yeah. The number was correct, I believe. It was, he yeah. He wasn't lying. He probably lied about the location of the motel or what motel it was, is my guess. Okay. I was thinking, like, yeah, he either did that or Danny was already there. Danny's the one that checked in. Colin called, and then they moved him. Or that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of this is, like, <laughs> there is a big assumption here that Colin's drug dealer cares about him so much that he's going to help him do all of this. And I think that's why I don't necessarily think that he was in on Like, I, I think he was in on it, but I think it was more that Colin was putting Danny Five under the chopping block as opposed to Danny Five wanting to help Colin. Interesting. I don't okay. know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of theories, and technically Colin is, like, still in the wind, so Mm -hmm. we don't know. Presumably he'll get caught next episode in the finale, and we'll find out everything, but at this point, Val and Kelly are arguing that they lost their one chance to find him because Kelly wasn't convincing enough. Well, and I actually think this was the second part of the episode where I was like, yeah, this trio, this trio, I love it, because there was more of that overlappy banter. Because, like, Val's mad she wasted their one chance. Brandon's, like, she did the best she could. And Kelly's just like, don't defend me, Brandon. And then keeps yelling at Val. Right? Like, or, like, rushing to open the door and Val climbs in the back. Like, it was very, um, I don't know. There's just a lot of good vibes, like, you, you, like from an acting perspective in that little moment. Um, on that scene, was that Val's car Kelly made Val sit in the back? Yep. Indeed it was. I noticed it too. <laughs> Love it. Maybe that's why they were like racing for it. They're like, Kelly was trying to hold the door so she could like usher Val into the back. <laughs> but yeah, so like you said, Colin is presumably still in the wind. They don't know how they're going to get him. They have to get him, but they don't know how. So with next week's finale, 
we got to find out, right? I mean, it's it is a two part finale, and there is no way that yeah. they don't have the time to fit Colin in. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what else happened? Prince Carl whisks away Claire for a dinner without Steve, who has been extra annoying since his jaw injury. Claire tells, nope, Carl tells Claire about the memories he has of her mother, one in particular. Apparently, at Claire's 10th birthday, Claire's mom pulled Prince Carl aside and said she hopes he marries her daughter. I called immediate bullshit on that, but then Claire tells Donna her mom told her the same thing. Claire, nope. Steve finally gets... (laughs) I can't fucking read. I'm sorry. Steve finally gets his mouth unwired shut and seems to have a lot to look forward to with the 21st birthday party Prince Carl is planning for him. This storyline is a hot mess. Yeah, and honestly, like, I don't have too much to comment on other than what Mary just said. Like, what she said is pretty much what happened. Like... Yeah, so the only thing I think I want to talk about is this idea that Claire's mom told both of them they should get married to each other, and that's what she wants for her daughter, which, like, is fair. I mean, you know, parents want their kids to grow up and be happy and be in a loving relationship, but, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I proposed to, like, five different boys when I was three. (laughs) Like, that doesn't mean I was going to marry them. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, like, looking at it from her perspective, like, so – do we before I jump into that, do we know how Claire's mom died? Um, I don't remember, but I lean towards that she got sick. Okay. For some reason in my mind, I hear that she got hit by a drunk driver, but I think that's wrong. That was Susan's sister. Or Susan's sister got hit by a car, not a drunk driver. That's right. Okay. So the reason I bring that up, maybe she was sick. Maybe she had a long term illness. Um, because she died when Claire was young, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe not, obviously not 10, but like probably soon after that. So my thought was like, she's really close with Carl's mom. You know, she sees this like family that Claire will have. So maybe what if Claire's mom knew she was sick, knew she wasn't going to live very long. And so she was kind of like, even though they like do that classic boy girl thing of boy pushes girl, that actually means that he likes her bullshit. But maybe she's just like, this is family. So I want, after I'm gone, I want Claire to be with family, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a stretch and it's me taking up for that. But like, you have to think that even if it was true, it was, I like to believe, maybe I'm the hopeless romantic in this situation. And I just want to believe that it was a genuine mother, genuine desire of a mother wanting her daughter to have a good life after she's gone. I don't know. And honestly, I have no problem with like that part of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just this idea that, you know, 10 years later, Prince Carl shows back up and decides like, we're going to make that a thing and I'm going to bring it up to you so that you're thinking about your mother. And by yeah. the way, Steve doesn't know your mother. He doesn't have any relationship. Like, I don't yeah. know. It feels like the show is manipulating us to be like, since Claire's mother, who passed on, yes. had this want, like, Claire wants to do that to honor her mother. And I don't know. The The other problem I have is since her mom died when she was young, she hasn't seen Claire grow up and become this, like, amazingly intelligent woman. And yeah. maybe Claire has aspirations that don't involve becoming a princess. Oh, because totally. if I watched The Christmas Prince a hundred <laughs> times – 
she marries the prince and then they're like you don't do anything anymore mm-hmm. you can't even have a blog <laughs> i mean look totally fair and true like we're i have been manipulated that is the that is the truth they are wanting carl to use that as ammo to get claire to fall in love fall quote unquote unquote fall in love with him I have also been manipulated because of this. I'm like, well, maybe it's her mom's wishes. Maybe she just wants to like honor her mom. Maybe, maybe that whole bit about her used to being a hopeless romantic and not anymore because her mom died. This is her way of like getting back to her hopeless romanticism. I just fell for it, guys. <laughs> like it works. <laughs> oh yeah, it totally works. Like I totally get what they're doing. It just makes me mad because I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a cynical person where I'm like, well, maybe that's not what Claire wants, but now she feels like she has to do it. And I just can't get behind Claire and Carl. Oh, same, same. I don't think they're compatible except for the fact that they have history, right? Like, but just because you have history with someone doesn't mean you have a future with them. So he tricked her into eating spiders. Yeah, exactly. Granted, they were 10, but still. (laughs) I don't care. And like, I don't know. There's also that we keep watching this show where like men emotionally manipulate women and then offer them jewelry and it's supposed to be okay. Well, yes. And I think it shows too a little bit of a, I don't know what to call it, but it's kind of that, like you were saying, emotional manipulation of a boy using youthful bad behavior as a way to explain how they are today. Mm. Like they're almost saying, yeah, I was bad then, but I'm good now. I promise. And whether or not that's true, it's still a way to kind of like fool or trick the woman and just like, be like, Oh, swoon. Like, Sure thing, Carl, you've changed and you're the best. Like, yeah, you sucked as a kid. That couldn't possibly mean you also suck now, which I'm not saying Carl does, but like, we don't know. (laughs) Now, this episode leaned heavily into like, you've known him for like two weeks as an adult. It's fine. Yeah. It's very much trying to pull the wool over Claire's eyes as opposed to her having this notion all along that no, he sucked then, he probably sucks now. And now she just forgets about it because he talks about her mom. Like, yeah. So I'm I'm with you on, like, I'm on both sides. I'm like, yeah, her mom's yeah. probably doing this for the right reasons. But that doesn't mean that Carl is a good person now. That's the thing. I have no problem with the things that her mom said when she was little because, like, mm-hmm. you know, we all have friends who, like, they're friends with somebody else and then they both have kids and are like, wouldn't it be amazing if our kids yeah. grew up and got married and then we got to be related? Totally. Like, everyone does that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that, like, an unfortunate thing happens where she passes and that's the only thing that's stuck in your head. Like, yeah, I don't know. I Claire makes a comment later to Donna that she's been thinking about her mom a lot lately. And it's like all these girls, their only aspiration at the moment is, like, having their fairy tale weddings. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Claire should, like, go be a diplomat and not just because she's royalty. Yeah. Yeah. So and, – and that's a good point you bring up because – it overlaps with the with the Donna storyline this episode, but yeah, Claire and Donna are like chatting about their fairy tale fantasies of their wedding day and things like that. And and yes, I I do think that is probably still somewhat of a thing of a little girl thinking mm-hmm. about their wedding day. Um, 
now when they get older, do they stop thinking about it? Not necessarily. They just stop thinking about it as the only thing. Right. And she, Claire mentions like, you know, it's weird. The fantasies we used to have, you know, when we were a kid, they're starting to get a little too real. You know, I, I think it would, would be different if she just said they're getting real, but mm-hmm. she said too real. So that tells me that Claire, at least, is A, not ready to think those ty- types of big thoughts, but B, not ready to think that that's the only thing that she's worth. And and the fact that she is so intelligent and so independent and all of that, and she hasn't really been all doe-eyed with Steve. She's been very realistic about their relationship. That kind of like helps me feel better about Claire and that she's not just going to give in to Carl. Um, now, does that mean she might still break up with Steve? Maybe. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, you know, for all we've complained about this, Claire and Carl, like, we're going to get married because Claire's mom wanted us to, like, thing. At the end of the episode, Steve's jaw, like, he gets the wire out of his jaw and he can talk again. And they're immediately, Claire's like, oh, well, let's, you know, let's test out kissing again. Mm -hmm. And they're just, like, being all cutesy and kissing and stuff right in front of Carl, who is very clearly uncomfortable because he's in (laughs) love with her. But, yes, like, yeah, there is still a Steve in this storyline. And whether or not they stay together, I think, will have something to do with Carl in in the – not because of Carl, but he is more a metaphor for, you know, learning, being reminded of what her mom – said or or just her past like whatever it may Mm -hmm. be and she's now like well you know maybe I don't want to be in a relationship right now you know like at beginning of her and Steve's relationship yeah Claire was actively seeking someone to be in a relationship with did she expect it to be Steve no not in a million years but it became Steve so it totally is valid that she could be at this point maybe I don't know seven eight nine months with Steve and like you know what I've learned some things about myself through this whole Carl situation. I don't want to be a Carl, but I don't really want to be a Steve either. Are you saying that Claire's going to choose her? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Maybe. But like actually choose her and not say I choose me and then immediately go to the guy that proposed to you and be like, I don't understand why we can't still be in a relationship. Right. And and I think that's different. She's not been giving an given an ultimatum by either she's almost issuing her own ultimatum and saying like huh these are two pretty good guys one that have i've got history with another that i have had a great time with and da 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 but i don't know that i want that what did we find out (laughs) so Claire graduated high school early. What if we find out in the finale next episode that Claire is like, oh, yeah, I've been taking so many classes. I can graduate college early and I'm just leaving. Bye. I mean, I can honestly see that. And, yeah, like being a diplomat or something, like being a foreign. Right. Um, like work at an embassy or something. Like totally see that for Claire. Absolutely. And she's already got the nepotism thing down because her dad was, <laughs> yeah. you know, working for the government as well. So, like, it could happen. Yeah, I want the world for Claire. I love her. I want I want that to happen for Claire before she like leaves and goes with Carl. Yeah, agreed. Wow, I talked way more about that storyline than I ever thought I would. <laughs> no, but it was all just about like the one thing. It wasn't like actually what happened on the screen. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, but anyway, I feel like we have like the big story of the week. Mm-hmm. Watch us only talk like five minutes about it. <laughs> Raise back, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. About quitting, anyway. Ray is back and with his band, and David and Donna get to work on their music video. Donna immediately is like, no way, but David convinces her to just go to the first meeting, assuming Ray won't want it. Oh my god, I can't. Assuming Ray won't want to work with them either. But Ray wrote a song about how he used to be shitty and knows David and Donna will make a really great video, if only because they know exactly how shitty that was. And he's really changed now, guys. Look, this is Wendy. They're getting married. Speaking of marriage, Joe tells Donna he wants to move back to Beaver Falls and coach football there. Also, he wants Donna to move with him and be his wife. And while Donna would look very cute in that role, she knows who she is and it isn't her. She tells Joe she isn't ready to leave behind her family, friends, and dreams, and then they kiss on the beach while I cry in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I think this was perhaps some of the best acting that Tori Spelling has done at that final beach scene, because she looked genuinely sad. I I felt for her in that moment. I gotta say, so like... I think it is a little bit BS of exactly how they got to this point, but that last scene when they decided, like, we can't stay together because we both have dreams that we have to go follow. So, like, I guess this is it, but it's not the end. It's only the beginning of our next journeys to, like, if they were going to break up Joe and Donna, that was the way to do it. Yes. I love that it wasn't what we thought it was going to be, and it was some sort of, like, heightened jealousy or – Joe being like wildly out of character and they ruin him, you know, because of it. Like this actually makes a lot of sense for Joe as, as weird as it is that a 20 year old would be coaching high school football. The path makes sense. Like maybe he doesn't do it like immediately, but like still being in football without playing football is totally on brand for Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will say his like getting mad at her about loyalty when Ray showed back up really pissed me off. That Yes, I think that was a misstep on the reason why he should be mad. Yeah. Because I don't think Donna was worried. Sorry, we'll get there. I know. But I just have (laughs) one thing to say. I don't think Donna was worried about telling Joe because he was afraid he like she was afraid he was going to get jealous. He Joe was a good guy. He wouldn't want Donna to be in a dangerous situation. That's what he would have gotten mad at. So that was the one misstep. I'm like, "Mm -mm, that doesn't make sense. But let's start at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, because wild, wild beginning. Eric is taking photos in a random conference room with Donna and David. And he's like, put it on a billboard. We have signed them. Oh, no. I initially heard that. But then if you look at the subtitles, it's italicized. And then he says, and in all the trades, he means magazines, like billboard magazine. (laughs) Not on a billboard. (laughs) Thank God, because that was the stupidest thing. I was like, what are you talking about? Can you imagine just like MZA announces David Silver and Donna Martin as the newest junior producers? (laughs) It's so stupid. And then Donna says they didn't sign the, they didn't read the contracts. Okay, yeah. So- which, like, what? sure, I understand that, like, maybe the papers in front of them were a formality just, like, to, you know, take a picture. But now I'm like, hold on, wait, did you, where's the actual contract? And are you going to read them before you sign them? Or have you already signed those, too? 
Yeah, yeah, because the guy does it. He's like, yeah, you just signed like an order for turkey sandwiches so that we could, you know, make this a media moment. But I'm just like, Donna, you should have known that. You should have read the paper because what if they were just like, we agree to give Eric Stone our firstborn or whatever his name is. Right, or like, I don't know, get 10% of the overall revenue. Like, that would be terrible. Like, guaranteed, it's revenue-based, it's compensation, it's you know, stuff that matters. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know that their parents are doctors, but like, yeah, they should know how to read contracts or like hire a lawyer to read a contract. Well, and it totally tracks that David would just be like, yes, let's do it. And like not care. But Donna, no, she would read that contract. Which is honestly quite literally what happens in the next moments in this episode, because Eric starts talking about this new band that they've they're trying to sign and like get big. And he's like, Oh yeah, they're playing a gig at the pee pad. Of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> and David's like, Oh yeah, we know the owner. And then this guy is talking up the band, da-da-da-da-da. And wait till you see the singer. He writes all their songs. He plays guitar. His name is Ray Pruitt. And Donna's face is just like, what the cut to credits. Well, we also get a flashback of Donna getting thrown down the stairs as if we could forget, right? And, like, the idea that before the credits roll that, like, she or David just don't go, like, no, fuck that. Yeah. And then it was, like, da na 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 Yeah. That's what should have happened. But instead, after the credits roll, we get, you know, all of our B-roll through Beverly Hills and this, like, hip-hop music which really confused me because I was like, this is not the same kind of music we usually get over the B-roll. So I looked it up. This is not the original music cue. The original music cue was a Brian Austin Green song. And we didn't we get it. We were robbed. And I was so upset. I was just like, I'm sorry. One of the stars of this show, you couldn't even get the streaming rights? Yeah, hold on. That makes no sense. But it's not him. Like, I shazammed this song to see what it was. And it was called, like, City of Love or, you know, something like that. But then when I go to the wiki, it says, post-credits, Brian Austin Green. And I looked up the Brian Austin Green song because there's a whole music video for it. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't understand. That, I, I'm mad. I know, right? That's so frustrating. <laughs> and then in the credits, we see Marisol Nichols' name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, Riverdale. This is what we talked about when we did the Riverdale episode, like, <laughs> a year ago. I, mean, I have yeah, been like, waiting. Well, obviously, like, Luke, the Luke Perry connection is the biggest. And then, of course, we got Shannon Doherty at some point in, in Riverdale, too. But, like. Hermione you know, Lodge. Yes, like getting somebody that was not, I don't know, it was just the fact that we, we got somebody that is a feature in Riverdale, but a guest star in 90210, I think for me, that's like what I was waiting on. I was waiting for more of these people because even, I, I'm even surprised we haven't gotten um, Alice Cooper on yet, you know, like, because I feel like she was huge and has been huge for a while, but like, I've always wanted to see her early. I've always wanted to see her pre-Gilmore Girls, and I've seen her maybe a couple of times, but, like, I've been dying for her to be in, like, Melrose Place or Beverly Hills or something like that. Right? Like, we get Hermione Lodge! 
And like there is no denying that that is who that is. Like which yes, what a baby though. I know, but her voice I know. it was immediate. I was like if I didn't know her like name in real life and I only yeah. knew that she was Hermione Lodge the second she came out and started speaking, I would have gotten it. It was so interesting though cuz like the very very initial moment that she walks in, so like story-wise, she walks in um well wait, I guess that's not even yeah, this is just when her name showed up in the credits. Because okay. the next time we see this story is in the car, David and Donna, and Donna is freaking out about this. She was like, I don't want to meet Ray. What am I going to tell Joe? Blah, 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 blah. And David, this is a very bad look for him that he's like, we need this for our careers, so you're just going to meet him anyway, and it's going to be fine. And by the way, don't tell your boyfriend that you're going to meet your abusive ex-boyfriend who sued your current boyfriend. By lying under oath. Yeah. Ugh. I felt very conflicted in this scene because, like, we – okay. A lot of different things here to process because, like, 2022, this was a storyline. Donna would be protected by mm-hmm. everybody involved. Like, this would not – this storyline would happen – but Donna would not work with, they would refuse to work with him. That would be the thing. And, and they would tell the record company why, and then the record label might drop them like that. That's what would happen in 2022, or at least I would hope so. In 1996, 1997, I believe, I I believe that this was true to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can still hate it. (laughs) Well, and I don't know. It's, and it might be 2022 brain, but like the idea that David and Donna are supposed to be endgame in this show and he's not trying to protect her at all. He's like, yeah, let's go yeah. meet your abusive boyfriend. When David saw it happen, like he saw Ray in Portland, he knows exactly what was happening to Donna and the idea that he would put her anywhere near that situation. Also, that Val signed Ray to come back for a night. Let's talk right. about that that we didn't get to see on screen. Like, I didn't think about that either. She literally saw him throw her down the stairs. She mm-hmm. testified against him in court. And she's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, come back, whatever. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I guess like middle ground here. What? Okay, to allow this to happen, here's what I think they could have done. Because they signed a contract, they are obligated professionally to work with him. However, mm-hmm. to show that David and Donna are endgame and that David loves Donna, he could have protected her by saying, you don't have to meet with him. I will take care of everything. If you want to still be involved creatively and like with the actual music video itself outside of like being on location, we'll do that. But you do not have to meet with him. You do not have to be alone with him or even not alone with him, just with him, period. Like that, I can see, right? Mm -hmm. That I would have been okay with because it's like, yeah, you're still trying to protect her even though you're contractually obligated to do your job. Mm -hmm. Um, The Val situation, that's an interesting one. Again, if we were to actually see that happen um, on screen, the way it could work is Donna gets – or Val gets permission, right? Like gets the Mm -hmm. okay. Gets the okay from David and Donna, mostly Donna – to allow Ray to even come back. Yeah. But no, none of that happens. And this is all clearly just to be a redemption story for Ray, which, you know, 
Jamie Walters had a rough time on yes. the show. We can talk <laughs> about that till the cows come home. I think we've repeated it over and over and over again. But like, this is not how you treat abuse victims. Yeah, I think abuse that's survivors. The thing. Like, yeah. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, I'm totally cool with Jamie Walters getting redemption because he was done dirty. But you could also just have not done him so dirty in the first place that you then have to have a complicated storyline about having an abuse survivor having to come face to face with her abuser. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, quick cut to where Joe gets a clean bill of health from Dr. Dad and tells him that he doesn't want to play football anymore and he's moving back to Pennsylvania. Oh, also, he hasn't told Donna yet. Yep. And now Dr. Dad has to be like, okay, don't talk to my daughter for a few days. Don't talk to my daughter for a few days. Wait till she tells me. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. It's just whatever. But we skip ahead where Donna and David, you know, have agreed to meet with Ray. We get this, like, little scene where Eric is like, oh, my gosh, I love that you already know him. He's really excited to see you. He thinks you all understand his music and you're going to collaborate really well together. And then – Right before they enter the room with Ray, David asks Donna if she's okay, and that doesn't count. I don't give him credit for this moment. Like, he's still making her go into this room. We haven't seen anything. Like you said, we haven't seen anything where he tries to protect her and make sure that she's okay. He's still making her do this. Or, like, she still feels like she has to do this, and he is not doing anything in the contrary. Yeah, it's like JoJo said. It's just too little too late. And it's just, it's this whole thing. David is convinced that because of the bad blood between Ray and the entire group, that Ray is not going to want to work with them, and it's going to be just a complete formality that they have this meeting. But Ray loves how they did the Power Man 5000 video, and the song that he wants to do is a song about how much of an asshole he was when he was with Donna. Mm -hmm. And then Marisol Nichols comes in, and it turns out that he has a fiancé. Yeah. Um. I would like to point out, he was on this show taking Joe to court five months ago. Oof. I looked up the dates. Courting was like 11-29-95. This is like May 15th, 96. Oof. Yeah, so they rushed. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's just call a spade a spade. Like, they just wanted to fix Jamie Walters. They wanted to try to smooth some things over behind the scenes um, because there's no other reason. Like, everything Mm -hmm. else doesn't make sense, right? Because, yeah, timing-wise, this man got – into a relationship with a woman and fell so hard so fast as did she to the fact that they're now engaged five months six months later like that's and not like, realistic that's not enough time to work on yourself as an abuser correct too because yeah like he during the trial he was still all messed up from just everything that happened so yeah, yeah. he still had not gone to therapy still had not gone to um you know just figure out what he, how he can change and how he can learn and grow and whatnot. And I also have a problem with the fact that they, they immediately change Donna's behavior as soon as she learns that he's engaged. Because that, in my mind, in my brain, I'm like, we need to save Wendy. 
we need to make sure that Wendy knows what happened. Yes. And then number two, I'm like, wait, so the solution for Donna to suddenly be okay, not only with just seeing her abusive ex-boyfriend being around him, but then working with him, the solution is to then make him be in another relationship so that she can suddenly feel secure that he's not going to be a risk to her. I, it just, I can get really mad about it or I can just accept that this was a fix for Jamie Mm -hmm. Walters and that makes me feel better. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really having an internal struggle with that because I also want to be bad that Marisol Nichols, like, doesn't get anything. I've been so excited for her to show up to this show and she's just like the foil for this. Like she doesn't do anything. She just walks in. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to interrupt. And then she's just another woman in the room. So Donna's okay. Yeah. This episode, I don't think passed the Bechdel test. (laughs) I mean, it just, it can't, it absolutely can't. Yeah. And then Donna leaves all of this stuff. She goes to meet Ray at the peach pit or she goes no. to meet Joe at the Peach Pit, <laughs> but she tells him about Ray at this moment. And then yeah. Joe gets upset, and I was waiting for him to be like, he abused you. He sued me. We mm-hmm. had to go through all of this stuff. And then he's like, what about loyalty? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I literally put afterwards, I was like – um. They talk about the music video. Donna tells Joe that the band is Ray's and he's rightfully upset, but then tells her it's her decision and then gets mad about loyalty, question mark. Oh, like clearly confused. Like we know Joe to be mildly jealous because of David and how close they've been getting. But like, I don't think he's ever going to be jealous about Ray. I think he should be concerned about her safety. And like the only thing I could think of is, the other meaning by loyalty is like, well, you got to choose me because he sued me. But I'm like, they're hit her not doing the music video is not choosing Joe. It's just choosing not to do that. I don't know. Like I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize it in my brain. Yeah. I feel like there's like some space brain going on here and I got, <laughs> I, I can't. And then we get to the pee pad. And I just, I'm losing my mind out of all of this. I hadn't, I did not expect any of this to happen where Brandon goes to see Ray in the green room before his show. And Ray is like, thank you so much for that speech in court. You changed my life. I owe it all to you, which I should have seen coming. I really should have. Sure. And like, whatever, like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And true to form, I think we guessed this last week. They cut out Ray's performance. Yeah. (laughs) It's on YouTube. Jamie Walters has put up a ton of his performances from the pee pad on YouTube. So you can see it. And there is a whole like Val comes on the stage and welcomes him back. Oh, my God. And he, you know, performs his song, et cetera, et cetera. And they cut all of it out and go straight to Joe and Donna walking out. So in streaming, it looks like. They just left. They didn't mm-hmm. see his performance. They just left. Mm-hmm. But they have this conversation where Joe is like, look, I don't, you know, selfishly, I'm hoping that you working with Ray on this music video is going to be your last. Mm-hmm. 
And I, you know, he keeps talking. He's like, oh, we're so different. And Donna's like, yeah, but we're so similar too. And then he says, I want to go back to Beaver Falls and I want you to go with me. Will you marry me? Oh, by the way, no ring, no like get down on one knee, just casual. Will you marry me? And again, they've only been dating for like six or seven months. Yeah. Which like, I guess on the one hand, man, I am today. I am all about like looking at the other side, (laughs) (laughs) which sure, let's do it. But I guess on the one hand, you know, moving to another state all the way across the country to then be there long term that is a huge commitment so it's like mm-hmm. and we know that donna and joe don't have sex and they're waiting until marriage say, so it's like they're very religious they like probably don't even want to live together unless they yeah. at least like are fully engaged and so like from that perspective i get it i just wish there had been a little bit more pomp and circumstance about it at least from joe's perspective because like versus in a parking lot yeah, well, or even just as a means to convince Donna to go, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I could see Donna very much loving being married and wanting to get married. So I could see that being like, oh, hey, Donna, here, will you marry me? I'm going to dangle this in front of you. But not like this. So that proposal came out of fucking nowhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really feel like he just thought about it. Like it just the idea popped into his head during this conversation when he was like, I want you to come with me and be the wife of a football coach. (laughs) But because like there was that scene where Joe talked to Dr. Dad and that could have been an opportunity for him to be like, I want to ask Donna to come with me and I want to maybe ask her to marry me. And that would have been like sweet and would have made more sense. But. Right. Yeah. It would have been would have been so on brand yeah, for Joe true. to go to her dad and ask permission. Yeah, I agree. And like if we were still, you know, really doing the Saint Donna stuff where her whole thing is helping other people and doing charity work and this and this, like you can absolutely do all that stuff in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania as the wife of the high school football coach. Like mm-hmm. the fact that she has gone into music video production with David and like you know gotten back to this like doing videos being on camera etc etc like because that is her passion that's why she keeps saying like I can't leave I can't do this but I feel like yeah if she still wanted to be like doing all the good things which I think that's mostly in my brain I don't think she's ever explicitly said that's what she wants to do with her life Mm -hmm. but she could do all that stuff in Beaver Falls but instead they have this moment, and then she, I guess, says, let me think about it, goes back to the beach apartment and sits in the dark. Oh, poor Donna. Which I got to say, if this is your reaction to being proposed to, it's a no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, like, when I got proposed to, I blacked out. Like, I don't, <laughs> I could not tell you what Nate said to me. Luckily, he said he wrote it down and, like, put it, like, somewhere in our house I forget where it is now but so because he knew I'd want to look back at it he did go off script but like close enough <laughs> oh my god that that just makes it so much more perfect that someone just happened to take photos of you guys too that's true yes we did kind of have a little fairy tale moment um 
But yeah, like I could not tell you a single thing he said, except I assume he said, will you marry me? <laughs> what <laughs> because if he didn't? I immediately said yes and bawled my eyes out. Like, so if it was anything other than that, I would have remembered everything, you know, like, and been like, ooh, I don't know about right. this, you know? And then I would have gone home and sat in the dark. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I remember saying yes pretty immediately. I don't even think John got his knee on the ground. Yeah. I was just like, like no, I'm done. Just get back you up. You don't have to do that. It's a yes. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, Donna's just like, uh. And I then even know. when she tells Claire about it and Claire's yeah. just like, oh, my God, what did you say? Like, Claire is not like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. Yeah. I kind of actually loved Claire's reaction because she was just like, oh, my God. Wait, what'd you say? Like, I feel like in her brain, she's like, no, terrible idea. But she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. She might have said, yes, I need to be supportive. <laughs> and I feel like there's a moment right after Donna says it before Claire starts talking where she like half smiles and then stops smiling because she's literally just like, I don't know how am I supposed to react. What do you, yeah. what do you want me to say? Right. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, this is where – they have this whole conversation because Donna tells her, like, she's like, Joe wants me to change my whole life. And, you know, I'm a California girl. Like, I think I have to mm -hmm. stay here. And then they're talking about, yeah, their fairy tale weddings and how everything's getting a little too real. And, like, this seems to be the conversation that tells Donna that she has to call Joe and meet him on the beach tomorrow. Yes. And you got – like you said, it's, it, it was definitely a no if she had to think about it. And so mm -hmm. I, Joe definitely knows this, right? Like For he, sure. He's got to know this. And so when they do go on the beach, I thought it was A, beautifully – I think it was actually beautifully written. It was beautifully acted. And my God, having that like almost storm in the background, like the, the scenery, I loved it. Like it was – it was almost like too perfect for it mm -hmm. to be a day in the California sun where it never rains, but today it storms. Yeah, I feel like whatever their shooting schedule was, the day it was overcast, they were like, we have to get to the beach right now. Yes, and I I loved it. It was the perfect backdrop for this, like we said earlier, this this conversation, this unfortunate breakup that doesn't end – the relationship doesn't end because they don't love each other. It doesn't end because anybody did anything bad. It doesn't end because they wanted it to, but because they had to because, like they say, they both have dreams and they mm -hmm. have to chase them. And unfortunately, sometimes that just – sometimes doesn't involve the other person. Yeah. And, like, I think there is a moment of bargaining where, you know – she says they're too young and Joe's like, well, our parents all got married when they were young. Yeah. And then she says that she has to stay for her dreams and asks him to stay. And he says no because, you know, he has to go chase his dreams. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, if they were going to break these two up, aside from the proposal, I feel like this is the best way to do it. And it's really only that the proposal seemed like a spur of the moment thing rather than like yeah. anyone actually wanting to get married. Yeah, 100%. And and honestly, I kind of love that they added in. This is why I think it was beautifully written was that when Donna does ask him, well, if I asked you to stay, would you? You know, it's like that's almost like when it hit Joe. Like, mm -hmm. you're right. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stay. So mm -hmm. 
it, it's definitely a moment of like, yep, I realize what I'm asking you to do, I, I wouldn't also do. So I can't, like, I can't ask you to stay. You're not going to stay and I'm not going to stay either. So, or you're not going to come with me and I can't stay. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to be how like all of the relationships break up. Like, I feel like if, if everyone that I think is going to break up is going to break up, this is how I would want it to happen for Claire and Steve too. I want her to be Mm -hmm. like, I have to go, you know, chase my dreams of doing this, this, and this, but he wants to stay because this is where he belongs. And then, you know, Susan and Brandon, I'm just going to be pissed about because I don't think there's any winning since I feel like they're going to break up, but Susan just did the whole like, it's an ultimatum, but it's not an ultimatum. And then Mm -hmm. I think she's going to do something and they're going to break up and I'm going to be really upset about it. I know. I just don't see, I I don't see a natural way that they break up that is so mutual. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And, you know, I feel like they also just have to like drive Brandon back to Kelly. I'm just saying. We will find out. (laughs) Oh, man. But I mean, that's that's it for this episode. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know that I wrote down any quotes to give you. Okay. I have uh, angsty Joe quotes only. Let's hear them. Oh, God, I have to find them again. Okay, yeah. Literally, the only quote I wrote down is, is it just me or is there something unseemly about 20-year-olds being nostalgic? <laughs> Claire, <laughs> speak for yourself. I know. <laughs> Okay, um, Joe saying, say you love me, say yes, because apparently I was just in a romance mind last night when I was watching this, but that's fair because I've binged seven Bridgerton books. Um, <laughs> okay, I guess I only have two. I thought I had more. No, I have two. Um, I love you too, but there's a but coming. Um, and can I kiss you one last time? Oh, it was just like, just go ahead and tear my heart out. <laughs> I know. He's writing songs better than Ray ever did. Just was words uh, wh- right there. We don't know. We've never heard Ray sing. That's true. <laughs> the only time we heard him sing is the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh my God. He should have just been Johnny Karate. <laughs> <laughs> So, did you have one? <clears throat> we didn't even ask before we just started talking. <laughs> well, I do, but I don't. Like, it's more mine were the the overlappy banter between Kelly, Val, and Brandon. I just mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say anything that they said were was particularly entertaining, but just like the back and forth and the banter about it, I really enjoyed. So, kind of more like a moment than a quote, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I guess multiple moments, yeah. a choice. What about, what about you, Mary? Um, it's kind of a mix. Well, it's not really a mix. I just have a runner-up, and that is uh, Steve just sounding like Frankenstein's monster when he's trying to talk. Um, and that one moment with Brandon where, okay, Brandon's like, hmm, should you be worried about Prince Carl taking Claire to dinner? And then Steve just, like, turns his whole body to look <laughs> at him because he can't turn his head. And that that got a laugh out of me. Um, 
But my real moment of the week is Kelly forcing Val to sit in the backseat of her own car. <laughs> That's such a power move. I gotta say, I did really like every time Steve would mumble something and Brandon would just like repeat what he said to be like, it's okay, <laughs> viewers. He said da 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 da. God, thank God that didn't last longer than like an episode and a half, you know? Which makes no sense. Who just has their jaw wired shut for two weeks? <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Whatever. What's next week? I mean, we know next week is the two-part finale. It is. It is. Guys, we are finally to the season six finale. And yes, it is a two-parter. So next week's episode will be a little bit longer than your normal, normally scheduled episode. Um, and it'll be season six, episodes technically 31 and 32, if you look on IMDb. Um, but they did, on, they, they did air on the same day. And it is called You Say It's Your Birthday. Parts one and part two. So I will say I just went to Paramount Plus and it is not streaming on Paramount Plus. Yeah, it's on the DVDs, I'm pretty sure. That's I know why. I know why, too. It's it's actually pretty exciting. It's a good reason. Okay, so, I mean, it's actually going to be on the DVDs then. They're not just, like, yeah. putting it there and cutting it out from there. As far as I know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I mean it's it's got to be music, but I couldn't guess who it is. We'll find out next week. I guess we will. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast, or send us over an email with all of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns, anything at all, especially going into season seven at Back to Podcast at gmail dot com. That's B A C K T O Podcast at gmail dot com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate and review, share, subscribe. All those things really help us get seen, help us build a community. In turn, that would help us to give y'all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really love you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go write the Jonesy and Val Fine Colin fanfic. I'm going to go write the Colin spinoff as he becomes a white-collar crime lord going to and from the border. I'm still not entirely convinced 90210 isn't going to kill Joe. Bye! Bye! <laughs> See ya. <laughs>